In his 20th season as a resident acting company member with the Alley Theater in Houston, Texas, my guest today has performed with the National Actors Theater, Joseph Papp Public Theater, Manhattan Theater Club, the Shakespeare Festival, L.A., among others. He is also a trained Juilliard actor, and he is the executive artistic director of the Landing Theater Company in Houston, Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, David Rainey good friend of mine with me today. She is the host of Great Day Houston. And we've done so many things together. You always come when I call. It's like, you know, the mayor's tree lighting, the Thanksgiving Day Parade. For me, it's made me appreciate what I have a whole lot more because, listen, life is fleeting. It was surreal my first year because I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm in fourth grade and I've made it this far and they got news cameras here. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, this, this is crazy. Who is that? <laughs> he is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And that's what really inspired me to know that, hey, I can really do this. I want to thank you for helping me with my new dream and supporting me as an artist. We've got lots to talk about. Hello, listeners, and welcome to eTalk with Anthony Boggess Glover. That's me. Ha. Today we have a wonderful, wonderful interview that I'm going to be talking to a young man. Yeah, David's a young man, (laughs) a young man that I've had the pleasure of uh, working around and being around and knowing. Uh, Some of you will know him. He is a resident company member at the Alley Theater in Houston, Texas. Uh, He's an artistic director of the Landing Theater Company. He is an actor, regional actor for over 30 years. He's been directing nationally for over 25 years, and he is an adjunct professor at the University of Houston downtown. And I'm speaking of none other than Mr. David Rainey. David, welcome to the show. Oh, well, well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I do have one correction, though, with that. What is that? Go ahead. Make it make it for me, please. Which is that, that I, I'm no longer teaching over at the University of Houston downtown. Really? Oh, yeah. Really? That, was, that was a long time ago. Um, oh, but, my uh, God. That, that, yeah. I guess is that now we've seen each other since then. <laughs> Mm -hmm. well it's just been that long oh my god that's crazy okay well he is a former (laughs) professor (laughs) at the university of Houston downtown but david rainey uh is the uh guest for today who will be talking to him about uh the the business and what he's doing and how he's uh, been handling things since we've been through this great pandemic that we've been uh, and for about 15, 16 months now. But David, what I'm doing is just kind of talking to people in the business and finding out how they got started, what they can, what they've been doing, uh, any advice that you can give to our listeners, because we have a lot of people who are in this business and want to know exactly what happened. So let's just start with what is your story? What is your why? What made it, what motivates you? Uh, how did you get started? Uh, well, um, as far as getting started goes, uh, it was kind of an accident in junior high school. I ended up landing in a drama class and uh-huh. um, and kind of liked it. I really wasn't um, a, a great student in any other way, uh, but I enjoyed it and I kept doing it. And then when I got to high school, got into um, the speech tournaments and speech team. Okay. And uh, after my second year of doing that, my coach moved me into dramatic events just to see if I'd got any better scores than I did get started getting better scores. So she kept me in there and eventually I started winning and, um, and then, you know, became very, you know, I ended up going to nationals in my junior year um, and play second in 
at the national tournament, which is higher than anybody from New Mexico where I'm from, uh, uh-huh. played. And uh, and then the next year, I um, I won all the tournaments and and went to to nationals, um, qualified in two events. So I knew that dramatic stuff, you know, was my thing. Um, and when I went to college, and I became a drama major. Um, and uh, after getting out of Eastern New Mexico University. Um, I moved to Houston. So my dad was selling the house and moving back home because he's from here. And uh-huh. uh, so that summer I moved back to Houston, stayed here about a year. And then I, I, I decided I wanted to audition for some drama schools um, and got into Juilliard. Um, wow. And so then did four years there and graduated top of my class and, uh, and then kind of beat the streets in New York for quite a while. Um, and then in L.A. for about a year. And then my dad got ill. Um, he had a heart attack, was in the hospital. So um, I ended up coming back to Houston. Um, and that was what, uh, that was, a. Uh, we'll see, I joined the company in 2000, so it was 99. Um, and uh, got a job in an oil company over in the Texaco building for what was Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. And I uh, pretty much thought that the career was done, you know, I keep auditioning i you know pick up some trade shows and do some some local theater but this idea that i could go off and really be like really successful kind of uh went away in my head and about a year later uh finally the alley called and james black was like you know we got your resume we'd like to meet you and uh, i went in and auditioned for him this was like right after the the um, they used to have the co-op audition now they're called the league well, audition, right but, right um, it was right after that audition. It was about a week later that he called. Um, and I'm pretty sure that it's because he'd heard, you know, if he wasn't there, he'd heard something good about that audition. So he called me in and met me on this for him. And about a year, about a, a month later, I auditioned again uh, for Greg. And and then he asked me to join the company. So, And that was in 2000. 2000. 2000? So I'm about to start my 21st season amazing that is amazing how time flies like that i mean and to to say and to start where you said you were in in what drama debate or speech speech it wasn't really theater classes right but they saw something in you they saw something in you to to do that and you followed suit so i guess if i was to say was your like biggest wow moment that's almost a wow moment because you weren't even going for theater <laughs> you were doing something else yeah in a in a sense you know i just was kind of following wherever it was leading me and my teachers uh-huh. didn't really know that i was going to be good at it either i just kind of wandered my way and even when i went into the dramatic events my scores didn't jump dramatically they just were getting a little better and my coach was like well you're doing a little better i'll keep you in here for a while and see how it goes and you know, it was one of those kind of things. And then started winning and then getting excited about that and and eventually realizing that you have a real aptitude for that and not so much for the speaking events, uh, right. which I continue to do speaking events. Um, okay. But this is where I kind of found my sort of, sort of place. So. Now, it, okay, you said, I don't know if people may have heard this because you, th- you slid it in there really, really nicely <laughs> when you said you went to Juilliard, right? Yeah, yeah. Julia and and Juilliard is not a school that you just slide into. <laughs> and you did four years yeah. there. So what was Juilliard like as an actor? 
Well, it's I mean, as you as anyone could imagine, Juilliard is is a a pretty tough place. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes. You know, I, I think with any school, whether it's Juilliard or or any kind of conservatory or university, I think you find basically two sort of uh, accounts for experiences at those schools, especially if they're tough programs. Mm-hmm. There either will be people who who feel very resentful because they feel like they didn't get a fair shake and that they were, um, you know, that the the faculty wasn't kind of jiving with them. Uh-huh. And then you have other people who felt like they had a really great experience there. They learned a lot. They, they it was a really engaging experience. They were, they were trained well, all of that. And I, you know, I fit on the, on, on that side of the equation. Uh, my, it was tough, but um, I have very, very good things to say about, about the school. Mm-hmm. And about that experience, you know, but it's it was it was tough, and it's meant to be, you know. It's right, for everybody. right. You know, now, how many people were in your class or in your company at Juilliard? Was it a big class, or uh, was it a small well, the class? class? The classes at the time, and I, I don't know if it's shifted. I know some things have changed since I've been there, but um, mm-hmm. but I don't know if the class sizes have changed. Typically, twenty five to twenty six students is generally uh-huh. what get accepted. And at the time I was there, they still had a cut program. At the end of the second year, um, you had your meeting to just just determine whether you were going to be able to continue on to uh, the that last two years. Right. Um, and so they would cut students. Um, and so usually, I mean, depending on the class, I mean, there was a class when I first got there that was up down to, I think they maybe had like seven people. But wow. I think the class graduated with about 15 or 16 people. Um, and since then... You know, several years after I graduated, they eliminated the cutting, cutting altogether. So you get in and you get through the program. So. Yeah. If you, if you make unless it, you, if you made it, you made it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, there have been people who, you know, for, for disciplinary reasons, just not right. taking it seriously enough. Right. Or, you know, I mean, you've got to be there, you know, and you can get cut for that reason. But um, mm-hmm. that, the sort of systematic cutting, um, that went away a while ago. So. Now, did you realize then when you were at Juilliard or was it after, because I know you said you came back home because your father took ill and you went, went to work, but was it, when did you realize that this is something you knew that you could and would do for a living? Oh, I pretty, um, I pretty much knew that in, in college. Um, okay. okay. You know, when, I, when I, when I, after having one nationals in the second year, I went with two events. I got, uh, six and twelfth place, again higher higher than anybody in New Mexico had done, and I'm, I I don't even know if that record has been broken. Um, but um, I I knew that I was uh, was an actor. Um, okay. Uh, you know, my junior high school teacher, my first drama class, she she keeps telling the story. She told it for years uh-huh. about how and that's we took us to one speech tournament at the very end of the year. We got on a bus and we headed off someplace and we had and. My friend Paul Martinez and I had put together some little comedy skit thing for me to do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And about you know three or four rounds later, I I came running down the hallway. I don't remember this. She she's the one that tells this story over and over again. And <laughs> running down the hallway, and saying, "Mrs. Tolliver, Mrs. Tolliver, I know what I want to be. I want to be an actor." <laughs> and and you know I've I've told this this story before, but I I can believe that because of the. You know, because of the experience of being on a stage, you know, at the time, I didn't know I hadn't done any real plays or anything, you know, but the idea of going into to prepare something to get a reaction of a certain type, and it was comedy, 
and to walk into a room full of strangers and to get that reaction and then mm. leave that with that high, go to a new room with a whole new crop of people and be able to, again, get the same reaction. That was just a tremendous sense of like, like, wow, and power and like, oh my yes. God, I can do that to people. I can make that yeah. happen. You know, so I can't believe that I would run down the hallway like well, with this newfound like discovery, like it was a brand new thing. You know, uh-huh. I, I know I know what this is. I want to do this. You know, so right. So yeah. So by the time I was in college, is when I kind of knew that I was going to do it as a as a profession. Um, uh-huh. I I had to ask my drama teacher in high school. I was like, well, what should I major in? She'd like communications. Hmm. Like, yeah, she's like, there's more money in communications. You know, so I was like, okay. So I went in as a communication major and a theater minor. And after the first year, I was like, you know what? I think I want to switch to a double major. So I got uh-huh. a theater major and a, and a communications major. And uh-huh. then the next year, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to switch to a theater major and a communications minor. Because I mm. theater is what I want to be doing. And then I was going to, my last year, I was going to switch to a theater major and a dance minor. Uh, really? And the only thing that stopped me was because they were going to make me stick around for another year to get nine credits. Like, <laughs> no, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, I what? kind of, I ended up with two degrees, actually. I graduated uh-huh. with two degrees, you know. Um, so. Well, you know, that's interesting because um, communications and theater, yeah, they go hand in hand because in order to act, you have to be able to communicate. And, that, you know, if you're a communications major, especially if, if it deals with journalism and things like that, all they're doing is acting because, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it it works together. It all meshes together. And and what a nice segue that you were talking about your teacher when you went down the hall. Was it, was it Tolliver, was it? Tolliver, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like because I was going to say who were the influences when you were younger? You know, and we we always tend to remember those teachers who, you know, kind of put that that mark on us and say, hey, I know you're going to be somebody or they may give you so much grief, but you remember that individual and the fact that you you named her. And and how does she feel about that? I mean, you know, after that that was said, probably like, ah, he finally got it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, she was she was very proud of me. I mean, I mean, because like for years I, you know, would run across her and she would introduce me to people and she would uh-huh. tell that story and stuff at classes and, and what have you. So I know she felt felt um, you know strongly about yeah the fact that I was through her class and w- that she was a part of my my sort of progress and stuff. That that Even is in high school. Cool. My my drama my uh, my my speech teacher Mrs. McAdams was was huge. I mean, she uh-huh. She's the one that really, I mean, like when I got ready to go to nationals, I mean, we, she coached me for, for months and brought in new people from the Eastern New Mexico University speech department to come in and help coach me, you know, and, and they were invaluable because they came in and they said, look, when you go to nationals, there are going to be people who have been coached to win. Yes. It is not going to be an accident that they're in the final round. They've been mm-hmm. coached to be there. And if you want to yeah. be there, then you have got to be in the same mindset and go there to win it. There's mm-hmm. no one with me in that final round that got there by accident or fluke or, oh, my God, I can't believe that I made it. Yeah. Everybody in that yeah. room. And when I got there, that's who was there. Yeah. Everybody was and they, there. And they are there. When you, so when you go to nationals, that's what it is. It's national. It's everybody who, who they are meant to be there. It's not by yeah. accident. It's yeah. not by chance. 
it, it's they're, they're supposed to be there. So let me use that to segue into my next question with you. Um, now, how did you get involved in teaching? Did you ever think that you would be doing that or you wanted to do that? Uh, or was it something that as you went along, you said, oh, maybe I can do this? Because let me tell you, as a teacher and being a teacher, we know that we're always influencing our students. And they are always looking at you to see, you know, well, he's teaching me this, but is he doing this? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's why it's so important for working actors to keep teaching because yes. you, you have to kind of face that reality. Uh-huh. Looking at, you, you, you know what you're, uh, what you're passing on to somebody is the right thing. You know it's good. Right. <laughs> you have to then keep asking yourself, but do I do that? Uh-huh. Sometimes you look and say, "Well, I kind of don't do that, and I maybe I need to be because it's good advice, and it's right. stuff that is, is effective, and it's going to make their work better. It'll make my work better." Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that having those, being a teacher, allows you to constantly check yourself um, yes. as a professional, um, and um, and and make sure. I think you become a better actor by teaching other people. There's mm-hmm. been a number of books written about about. Um, uh, about great coaches, uh-huh. and one of the techniques that that um, that one of the books talks about is uh, the idea of getting students together and having the young students teach the older students. Mm. Vice versa. Mm. Uh, something happens when you're being coached by kind of a peer group, and mm-hmm. when the older, more experienced one has to sort of uh, allow the younger student to observe and give them obs- observation about what yeah. they're doing. And likewise, um, it when you look at, at and they're talking about great tennis players, gymnastics, you know, other all kinds of sports, you know, uh, uh, this technique works really, really well. Um, right. And, and it's that idea that you're doing it and you're trying to get better yourself, mm-hmm. but you're also then um, having to process what makes this other person's work better or how to make that other person's work better. And yeah. by doing that, you are going to improve your own work. Um, so there is that. But as far as, you know, me getting into teaching, it was kind of an accident. I mean, Tom Little, who ran the department over at the UHD, uh-huh. approached me one day and just said, hey, have you ever thought about teaching? You know, we would love to have you over at the university. Blah, blah, blah. And, I, and I'd never really thought about being a you know, professor at all. Um, but I knew that, like, I had had experiences, you know, over the, the the previous decade where people had come to me, friends of mine, are like, you know, can you watch me look at my audition and, you know, help me out? And we'd go in a room and I, you know, watch what they were doing, give them some notes and what have you, and it would be better. Um, and I was, I've been thinking, you know, I'm pretty good at that, actually. I'm, you know, <laughs> people can come to me and consistently uh-huh. I can make their work better. I mean, I noticeably better. Um, right. So when he when he said, you know, would you come teach? I was like, oh, okay. The, the first thing about teaching, about a curriculum, about building a syllabus, I, I didn't know anything. I was like, holy cow. And I was a little panicked. Um, eventually, you know, and he loaned me some stuff. I called a bunch of friends. And uh-huh. uh, eventually I realized that I knew enough. I knew more than enough to be able to you know, put this together and make sure that, that uh, the students were getting something. And, um, and then, you know, then trial and error as you go into the classrooms. Exactly. <laughs> you, 
that work well that work you really keep well them in other <laughs> yes and other things you're saying well that could be improved some that could be uh-huh. you, know, uh-huh. on, you know um but yeah so and, and then as far as private that. coaching goes sorry go go ahead private coaching well as, as far as private coaching goes i mean i've been doing a lot of that i mean since since then um, that's primarily what i do um, and, uh, and again, you know, just being able to get into a, a room where it's just sort of like with a, if you're trying to learn a guitar, somebody mm-hmm. could say, Oh, you're trying to learn a guitar. Well, here's the best book there ever was on guitar. So read yeah. that and you should be fine. You know, well, yeah, you can read that and stuff, but you know, what a coach does is he looks at where you are and says, you know what, skip chapters two and three and go to chapter four and start there because that's uh-huh. really what you need to be focused on. And then when we kind of start to understand that concept, then we'll go back to two, you know, <laughs> and start working on that. But you don't that, need that. That is so that. cool. That That is so cool that you said that because uh, private, you know, it's, it's a, it, in a classroom setting. Yeah. You know, when you're in a general setting, general pop. Okay. But when you have that private one-on-one, you get to actually get down to the nitty gritty of the individual and they right. actually get a chance to get the feedback directly at that moment, you know, and you can work on things and make it better uh, and get to where uh, you want want them to be. And they, and they understand that as opposed to being in a, a setting of a classroom with other people. And then they, you know, they leave going, OK, well, was he talking to me about this? And, you know, did, was was that necessarily directed towards me? You know, in a private setting, it's one on one. It's there. You know, it's it's nobody else but you. <laughs> and yeah. then I was I was going to use that to say, uh, because when you I, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you started the landing, uh, the landing theater company while you were at U of H. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was and, gonna... and, and a lot of those students that you had there, because I know we worked with some of them, uh, came from U of H and were working with you. Right. Yeah, How was that? Yeah. How was that? Because they were working with you as a teacher student. And then all of a sudden, Hey, we're working together as colleagues. <laughs> How did that yeah. go? Well, that was a whole idea behind the company at the time. I mean, uh-huh. you know, once we left UHD, we sort of shifted gears a little bit. But um, the company was originally started because I went to Tom and said, hey, Tom, do you uh, do you guys ever do shows in the summer? He's wow. like, well, no, we don't really do anything. And I'm like, well, could we? And he was like, well, yeah, but it's your deal. I'm, you know, I got my own thing. <laughs> so I was like, well, okay. And I started thinking to myself, well, you know, we could do this approach in several different ways. You know, when I was in, at Eastern New Mexico University in the summers, we would turn our theater into what they call the Corral Playhouse. So it would mm. become a sort of summer stock theater, do a couple of different plays, a chance for a lot of the faculty member to, members to be involved. They'd hire a couple of guest actors from around the state to come in. and and some. This, but it was primarily there to uh, give the students who didn't want to go home uh-huh. something to do okay. okay okay so i was like okay we could do something like that but then i was like you know this is the fourth largest city in america i said is it better to have that kind of an experience or is it better for the students to get to work with professional people like build a professional company right and get them to be rubbing elbows with and uh, and learning from real people almost sort of like you know sort of living internship kind of a thing you know mm-hmm. 
um, you're kind of on the job working with professionals. It never, ever quite became that, but that was sort of the goal. And that was how the university was comfortable with it being on the campus because they gave us money to start the company. Um, okay. They were really concerned about sort of answering to the state about things. So they were like, where's the education? Where's the educational component that we can kind of claim? And so, and it was hard for them to even understand it. I was like, well, look at Cal State, look at the you know, <laughs> University of Colorado and Boulder, I mean, used to, you know, Colorado Shakes, Cal Shakes, the, you know, all these companies that have, uh, that are tied to universities, the University of Houston and the Houston Shakespeare Festival. I mean, right. like, right. these are companies that hire professional people, but they are a part of the school, you know? So, so anyway, so we had to sh- kind of shape it in that kind of way. And, for the students, it was great. They got a chance to be involved with the, with the company, watch it grow, learn all kinds of different things, take on different kinds of tasks, and and be a part of something that was that was new and being put out into the world. It wasn't just right. a right. campus show. It was actually trying to put something out into the world. Um, so so that's kind of how that that went, and and a lot of them stuck around once we once we we moved on to, um, out of the university and into the sort of the real world. Um, a number of them stuck around with us for quite a while. And stuff, you know? Wow. And and that's been going on how long now? Uh, well, this is 11 years. 11, uh, so okay. It was 11 years ago this uh, in the summer Okay. Uh, when it started. So it was 2010. Wow. Just an idea, and it just blossomed. And 11 years later, you have lots to talk about. when you <laughs> and, and the people that you're dealing with. I'm, you've dealt with a lot of students and a lot of individuals coming through working to keep it going yeah. so um well, go ahead well i mean i'm saying we're very i'm, I'm very very proud of, of yeah yes it's been um you know we've turned more into a, a theater of, of the helping playwrights and along the way helping all kinds of other artists that are involved because plays are are how we how everybody else does their work. Yeah, that's um, that's so. that's excellent. I mean, like you're saying that's what you want to do. You want to help. You know, you want, your deal is that you want to help somebody, and and they they can see where they are and move forward and do maybe do you know the same thing for other people. That's what it's all about. It's helping one another, networking, as we say. Um, <laughs> with that, and I'm asking you this because this really is what you're doing. Uh, if I were to ask you, what does engage your passion mean to you? What would you say? How would you answer that? Because this is your passion and you are literally engaging in it. <laughs> what would you say? Engage your passion. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple of ways. I, I mean, just thinking off the top of my head to answer that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the first thing is, is really just pursue your dreams like mm-hmm. if you have a desire a, a desire to be something or to achieve something um then do what you can to um, um to pursue it um to okay. move forward with it um um and i and i think that you know i think that a lot of people a lot of people A lot of I, I run across a number of people who who give up before they start. Um, hmm. They come up with reasons for why, you know, you know. I had a friend of mine, you know, from Eastern New Mexico University, who was an incredible actor. He was an amazing actor, and I I'd gotten into Juilliard, and 
And I was saying to him, man, well, I got in, you should get in, you know? <laughs> and, and, and he wouldn't even audition because he's like, well, I can't, I can't afford it. And I was like, what? I, I was like, get in and didn't worry about affording exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I got in and I, I went to New York with a thousand dollars and I borrowed that to get there. And that's mm. all I had. My plan was when the money runs out, then I'll leave. Okay. But in the meantime, I'm going to get everything I can while I'm exactly. here. Exactly. Uh-huh. And that was it. And once I got into the building, then they snatched me and grabbed me in the financial aid office and were like, well, here's a loan. Here's a, you know, here's a Pell Grant. Here's a this, here's that. And mm-hmm. they started trying to find money for me so I could stay there. And then, they, you know, there were scholarships that happened if you did well. And I got a few of those. And and that's kind of how, how it went. Um, and I made it through four years there. Um, and so... So don't stop yourself before you, because of uh, uh, an expected outcome, you know, the other mm-hmm. thing is that, you know, I've heard some people who were like, well, <clears throat> I'm going to go get a theater degree, but I'm going to make sure that I get um, a degree in this other thing, you know, some, mm-hmm. yes. some whatever, you know, and I, I, I feel like, wh- why are you autumn already deciding that you're not going to be successful? Mm. Just, yeah. Do it yeah. and get and get out there. If you need to shift gears, you can shift gears anytime in your life. But don't start off by saying that you're going to fail. Yeah. You know? And we do. We do do that. We do. You're, you're so right. Uh, before, uh, before you even get into something, you're already putting up a wall, you know, to block yeah. yourself from overcoming that. And, and that's something that, and not just in this business, but I think in life and you, when people are making decisions, you know, and, and I never thought of it like that until you just said, it's like, don't, don't stop yourself before you get in, get in it and then make that decision (laughs) and see what's going to happen. That's, Hey, let me tell you, that's some good advice. (laughs) That's, you know, dive in your both feet. (laughs) (laughs) That's some good advice because you, you really have to, uh, put yourself out there. Uh, I think what we we tend to do a lot is we think about it, and when we start thinking is when we start falling back. You know, at first, you know, the idea is then you want to do it and you're ready to do it, but when you start thinking, we start putting those walls up, saying, "No, nope, nope, I can't, I can't, I can't," and then that that it goes down from there. So yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. That's good. So. Um, now what are you doing? What's, what's next for you? What's next now that we're kind of this pandemic, you know, has kind of, maybe we may be normalizing ourselves a little bit, you know, how did that work for you? Were you in the middle of something? Were you working on something or how did the pandemic affect you and into where we are today? Because we're, you know, basically we see where New York is opening up back in uh, September. And I know a lot of theaters, especially locally, local theaters here are either opening or will be opening soon. So what does that do for you? Well, I mean, right now, I mean, um, I'm really focusing all of my attention on the alley. Um, okay. You know, one thing that's happened recently, um, which has been pretty extraordinary, and I should even say very extraordinary, is that um, we, the alley made the resident company full-time employees. Okay. Um, back in September. Oh, okay. Um, in, the, uh, in the middle of the pandemic and stuff. So <laughs> as a result, our roles there have, have changed and our commitments um, have changed. So we have 
uh, we'll have a lot more things to do and a lot more uh, a lot more engagements to be had. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sort of you know looking forward to you know moving you know getting the, the season started and rolling with all of that and 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 moving along. And with that is I mean the first show I'm, is that they're doing is Sweat by Lynn Nottage, which is phenomenal. I'm happy to be a part of that. Uh-huh. Um, uh, it's uh, that not to me missed play. Um, <laughs> So, um, so, um, you know, I'm looking forward to getting started on, on all those things and what have you. They're also trying to, to, um, to retain, um, some of the, we did a whole digital season during the pandemic. Um, okay. Um, so, and I think a lot of, a lot of theaters were kind of getting into the digital programming thing as, as yes. time went by. Um, but the alley actually put together an actual like full digital season and, um, and the plan is that they'll keep that, or at least partly of that, for from from now on. That there will okay. be some okay. kind of digital offerings um, that are beyond just simply the plays being taped, which that is also going to be a part of things for this next year. Um, but that they will have some separate plays that will be done digitally. So far, they haven't announced anything uh, regarding what those will be. Um, so there's that. And uh, and then they've got the alley all new, which is always an exciting time. Um, and uh, I'm kind of excited about being involved in, in, in what's going on with that and stuff. So, so are you the, the the most famous question? Are you doing a Christmas Carol this year? <laughs> oh yeah, we're uh, a different Christmas Carol. Um, oh, okay, is, okay. During the digital season, the first thing we launched in our sort of official, you know, season thing. Uh-huh. was a new version of a Christmas Carol um by Doris Baisley. Okay. Um and um so we did that and you know a lot of people really enjoyed it. So the plan for this year is for us to do that actually on stage. That was the idea was we were uh going to try to do that version on stage. It was a, it's a, a much smaller cast didn't require you know the, all the big sets and all that kind uh-huh. of stuff. So that was a plan that we would that that version to be on our stage um and um we ended up having to do it digitally and so now we're gonna actually put it on the stage and see what that's all about um and oh then, cool um and then afterwards i mean rob is in the middle of of writing a new adaptation of christmas carol of his own um so uh the, i think the plan is that the year after would be uh so we do this one this year and the next year that one um so cool we'll Cool, Beaner. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. Uh, Christmas Carol will be back. The alley season is underway, getting there uh, as everybody is opening up and trying to get back to some type of normalcy. Um, David, where can we follow you? Are you on social media? Can people follow you and see what's going on? Or do they go to the alley website or what? Well, as far as following goes, um, you know, I have a Facebook page. I'm not I'm not one of those people who's constantly posting stuff, um, <laughs> but if they're looking for me. That's kind of where um, I have a, uh, a bio and everything on the alley's web page and what have you. So if you want to just get information, you can get that. But as far as like, you know, having communication or talking, what have you, um, uh, Facebook is probably the best place to kind of reach out or just to keep up. With well, Houston, if you have not seen this man on stage, please, please, gift yourself by doing that uh i mean you it's so funny how people see us in person you know see actors in person and then they see you on stage and they go wait a minute 
that's not the same person. It's like, yeah, you do. You do realize I'm acting, right? <laughs> so uh, you, if you have not seen him on stage, get an opportunity to do that. You will not. You will not be disappointed at all. But David, I just want to take the time right now to say thank you for taking time out to talk to me. Uh, this is we're trying to get uh, the people out there to know. Uh, that artists are working. We're doing things and you may not see us all the time, but we're busy. We're doing some things. But this is like to get a little, you know, a background on what people are doing and and who people really are and some background on them. Uh, again, thank you so much uh, for taking out some time to to sit and talk with me. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that you can follow us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or you can go to the website at www.anthonyblover.com and you will find us there. And don't forget to download, subscribe, and let us know what you think. Leave a comment and we'll be more than happy to oblige. So until next time, e-listeners, remember to respect the artist, respect the art. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to eTalk with Anthony Bogus Glover. I appreciate you listening to me. Now, please subscribe, download, and comment. Leave a review. Tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Now, don't forget, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and my website at www.anthonyblover.com. And before we leave, I want to give a shout out to my friends over at Adams David Media for helping me to get this show on the road. Hope to hear from you. We'll talk soon.